Hello, hello. Well, it's very good to be back. Thank you, Pastor Tim, for inviting me. Today, I really want to talk about the real you, your soul, and not just um, the you that's uh, showing up today. Dress all good, looking like a star, so beautiful. By the way, you all qualify for every nation PJ, you know. Uh, so I, I want to start with a reading from an article um, about a news that shook the whole of India. When Gucharan Singh left his house for a morning walk on July 1st, 2018, he did not expect the day to become permanently etched, not into his, just his memory, but the whole of India. His neighbor, Mr. Burari, who usually joined him for the walk, was nowhere to be seen. So Singh went over to check on his friend and to his surprise, found the front door open. But what he saw the moment he stepped in shook him to the core. Ten members of the Burari family across three generations were hanging from the ceiling, blindfolded, gagged, and with their hands tied behind their back. An 11th member the oldest woman in the house lay strangulated in the corner of the room. Lina Yadav, a Mumbai-based filmmaker, was greatly disturbed, and she went looking for answers. This was a front-page headline for weeks, but not even a single report or article that covered the case as an analytical case, she said. The problem with most of us is we usually forget to dig deeper when things like this happen. So she started interviewing people who knew the Burari and filmed her documentary called House of Secrets, and it's actually available in Netflix. So she explained now, I mean, how, even though the cops were uh, officially investigating this case as one of shared psychosis, which is a mental disorder characterized by shared delusions among a few closely related people. But the delusion in this case was the staggering 11 family members. They included children, women, and men aged 12 to 80. And everyone who knew the Burari insisted that they were high-functioning, sociable people who appeared to be doing so well. Basically, they said, nothing seemed amiss. Now, I want you to look around. Uh, come on, look around. Do they seem like high-functioning, normal people? So Yadav continued. She says, it's easy for us to look at this and pretend it doesn't happen in our families. But the truth is, this case is just an exploded view of the secrets all of us hold, the truth we like to hide, and the traumas we ignore. You know, the biggest challenge for Yadav was getting to the truth. All the subjects that she was interviewing clearly wanted to hide the uncomfortable bits. 
Everybody said, oh, they're good, they're very nice. They're very good. So she said, I discovered only later that this is just in continuation of the front that all of us put up. Because we are taught from childhood to never wash our dirty linen in public. Now, the breakthrough in the investigation came when the cops found diaries in this house written over 11 years. Can you imagine? And the diaries had detailed instructions on how every member of the family is supposed to go through life, how they are supposed to live their life, instructions for their mass, according to them, okay, this mass uh, suicide is a mass salvation, and how they should hang themselves. There were all instructions in the diary. So Yadav explained, for 11 years, that delusional world was all the Burari family saw and it had become normalized for them. And the diaries revealed that the primary source of the delusion was just one family member with a history of untreated trauma. But of course, that's just the surface. I'd like to believe that he was just the trigger and perhaps the other 10 family members had their own history um, that made them so vulnerable. We don't have all the answers, she said. But our hope is this, that this documentary that we make prompts people to sit down and have real conversations because it is not just about the case. It is about us. You know, I don't know about you. Perhaps you know some people that left shockingly. I mean, I, I know a few personally or people that have family that left in such a way that was so unexpected because on the outside, they look so normal. They act normal. They were high-functioning, but deep down inside, in their soul, when no one can see, something else is going on. The secrets we hold, things we have done, that we are so afraid to reveal or ashamed to confess. Truths we hide could be struggles, unhealthy habits that we tried but we couldn't break free and we don't know what, where to turn to, we continue struggling. The traumas we ignore, you know, we don't live in a society that is uh, that's friendly, you know, towards, um, you know, I'm a creative, I'm quite emotional. And every time when I'm emotional, people tend to ask me, why are you so emotional one? <laughs> okay, cannot be emotional. I have to be tough. I have to act like I'm okay. Because it's not okay to be not okay in our society, okay? You have to get your job done, okay? You, you, you still have to make the money. You still have to feed your family, and sometimes you're also so busy to process all these things, right? So we are forced to ignore these traumas. I mean, haven't we all become so good at putting up a front? I mean, if you're honest enough. So today, I want to help you dig deeper and talk about what we don't talk enough, I feel. Our soul, okay? Now, the soul. In the Bible, it does not describe it with exactness, okay? But it kind of uh, normally or commonly known as what makes you, you, your whole being, right? 
outside, like I say, what we see you, it's not the real you because I don't know what you're thinking, what you're feeling. And actually, even right now, you may look at me like intensively, you know, listening to me, but inside you may say that, why is she talking crap? Okay, I mean, I don't know, okay, inside, okay. The Hebrew word is actually say the living being, your whole being, actually, if I could say that. But the Greek word, okay, is actually psyche, which is psychology, your soul. The, the human mind as the central force for your thought, emotion, and your behavior. Uh, in simple way, if you can, you know, if it's all too deep for you, just think of the soul as your mind, your emotion, and your will. Now today, I know that it's going to be a bit uh, having to make you feel a bit vulnerable, but it comes from a place of love, okay? I just want you to check how well is your soul? Okay, there are so many words put there. I mean, it's not even exhaustive, okay, but just some questions or some, some statements that maybe you can think about. Do you have trouble sleeping? You don't feel rested? Maybe you used to be so energetic, now you have lost interest. Everything seems overwhelming. These are all signs to show that perhaps your soul is not that healthy. Or you keep going back to the past, you know, always think about what you could have done different, regrets. Or you find it hard to honor or celebrate people. You're so full of envy and jealousy and you, you can't be happy for people when they're successful. Or you constantly feel not good enough. Always blaming others, blaming yourself for what happened. Have you ever thought of running away to a different life? I actually knew people that disappeared and restart their life elsewhere. Or we make, you know, excuses that you want to be alone. But when you're alone, you felt tremendously lonely. Now, how many of these statements actually cause you to pause because you felt like perhaps they are true for you? Well, today my hope is helping you to be aware how your soul is, helping you to take time to nourish your soul and invite the Holy Spirit so that you can find healing. Is that good? Yeah, so let me just quickly pray for you. God, that's what really exactly we want to do. This is a, um, not a, a, a knowledge kind of a message so much, but God is an intimate message. It's a personal message. So we want to invite the Holy Spirit there to help us be aware of where we are and also to believe that, God, that you have the word of healing for us to renew our soul, to refresh our soul today. So thank you, God, for this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, now the Bible has a lot to say about the soul, actually. Yeah, but I landed on this verse because I thought that this is like one of the, the verse that I like to read it again and again and again and again and again, okay? I'm sure it's not uh, a strange verse for you. You might have heard it, read it, been preached to on it, and it says this, for what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Profit. I'm sure that everyone seated here, you know, you want profit. So this is the question, this is the, 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 the verse that teaches us about the profit in life. You know, you just think about it. What do you want in the world? 
What do you want, really? You work so hard, right? All of us work so hard. We are so busy. We are so tired. Tired is like the number one word whenever you ask anybody. Busy and tired, okay? It comes together. So what do you want? Why are you so busy and so tired? Is it money? Is it power? Is it status? Oh, it's just plain gratification. Just one more to enjoy more, you know? And this verse says this. I can give you everything you want because it says everything you want, the whole world, which means money, which means power, status, enjoyment. I can give you all this, but if you lose your soul, you have made a loss. You did not profit because there's nothing in this whole world that's worth you exchanging your soul with, do not lose your soul to the world. It is a warning. You know this, uh, Matthew, the book of Matthew, I learned from leadership, I mean, reminded in our leadership 215. This is the book of Matthew. It's a book that's written to believers. So Jesus was not talking to the non-Christians. He was talking about to his disciples, to his followers, and he was teaching them about the kingdom of God, and he was teaching them about the paradox of the cross. The paradox of the cross, I mean, last week, I mean, during Easter, I just told them, if you want an abundant life, you don't work harder to gain more. You die. You die to get life. You want to gain life, you lose your life. Then you can gain, right? I mean, the verse before, it was says that if you're trying to gain your own life, define life in your own way, you lose it. So, Jesus was warning, actually, his disciples. So, how do we lose our soul, actually? I want to read this verse in Deuteronomy, which is in the Old Testament, but it is almost like it is in the same place uh, where we are at, you know, we have the promise that Jesus gave to us, you know, in Christ, we have this promise of an abundant life. Now, for the Israelites, God's people in the Old Testament, they were promised this promised land, all right, and uh, which is a promise God promised to Abraham. So for 400 horrible years of slavery, then it was 40 years of, it was a disciplinary for them to wander in the wilderness, right? Now, finally, all this were behind them. And this, this context of this verse actually came about when they were just standing and having the promised land before them. It was an epic moment, right? It's like, whoa, finally, so long, we finally arrived and this is our promised land. And then Moses warned them. He says, okay. This is great, this promise is great, it's yours, but only take care and keep your soul diligently. Lest you forget the things that your eyes have seen, lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life, make them known to your children and your children's children. See, this verse again, at that epic moment of receiving their promise, just like Christ tells us, like whoever follows him, we have this promise of abundance life. But in Matthew, it says the same thing. Don't sell your soul. And in Deuteronomy, it was the same thing. Moses was warning the Israelites, don't lose your soul. You have to keep it diligently. Okay, so how do we lose it? Very 
Clearly that you forget and you depart. You see, life, God is life, right? And God is the source of life and everything comes from God. Okay, that's the truth, right? You agree. But yet every time when someone redefine life or pursue life outside from God, apart from God, that becomes sin. Sin brings death. And sin brings not death, not life. Because pursuing life apart from God is saying, you, is saying that you forget that God is life. And what God is saying is truth. But you are redefining life in your own ways. And that became a form of idolatry, actually. And forgetting God is sin. For it is forgetting what is real, what is true, and what is life. So keeping our soul is by doing whatever it takes to remember God. Remember who life is. And what kind of life that actually he wants us to live. So we lose our soul when we forget God and depart from what he has said and done. So, the back to the question. So why is it so easy for us to forget God and to depart from what he said? Okay, I call it the battle of the soul. Okay, so I have uh, bright, three very good looking people from ENCM. All right, because I need an illustration, okay? So when I welcome them, all right, this is the spirit. Best, stand over here, spirit. All right. Okay, so you know who is the body. That's right, Jeff. Okay, come on, let's give them a hand. Okay, body. Okay, this is an illustration I stole from T.D. Jakes, okay? Bishop T.D. Jakes. So he said this, you must always begin by I am a spirit because God breathed his life. God is spirit. He breathed his life into us. So I am a spirit. I have a body. I mean, I live in the body and I have a soul. Okay? So we are made out of spirit, soul, and body. Now, body is where it reminds you of the things that happen to you, your scar, you fall down when you're five years old, you know? I mean, things like that, okay? And, and, and uh, the things that people said to you, the things that happened to you, all right? Now, the body is um, what I call the world conscious. When it rains, the body gets wet. The soul, perfectly all right. So is the spirit. They don't get wet. Because this is the word conscious, okay? And uh, when whatever that happens to the body can affect the soul. For example, if you are molested, abused, so how will you feel? Right. Okay, this soul is a very restrained kind of expression, but it's good, it's good. He's warming up. Yes, Josh? Okay, but what if, bro, he went to gym and exercise and have disciplined life. What will happen to the soul? Okay, he said, feel confident, right? You feel whoa, fresh, you know. I am the man, okay, all right? Or, or what else? What better still if he's purposeful, he reads the word of God, he knows what God has for him, he makes decisions wisely. The soul? 
<laughs> okay, we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll thrive, right? You will feel like, wow, okay, I'm doing so great, okay? Now, the soul is where you have all the memories. It can be tragedies, but it can also be celebrations. Yeah, but it is also where you process all the stress, right? This is where you feel your emotions, you feel hard, you feel not heard, you feel um, rejected, okay? This is where, in fact, this is where then you form thoughts like, oh my gosh, people are all bad, all right? And then you also form your belief system. Church is not good because the pastors don't shake my hands. That's why in this church, I was told all the pastors go outside and shake everybody's hands. Oh my gosh. See, because we don't want you to feel hurt or offended because don't want to affect your soul, okay? So the soul is called self-conscious, right? So you understand, you actually know where you are at. I mean, if you have time to process it. Now the spirit, oh my gosh, the spirit is where we connect with God. It is where we receive word from God. This is where we uh, believe in what the word of God says. It is where we understand what God has for us, the purpose. The spirit is the one that communicates with God. So you see, you cannot worship God just through the body. Or in fact, today, right now, when I'm preaching, you hear through the body for sure, right? If you close your ears, Na, 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 nothing, you cannot hear me, okay? You hear through the body, but it is in the spirit that it stirs, okay? You receive it in your spirit, you're like, oh, wow, this is the truth, amen, I want it. And you know what? When you have that, you will then crafted it into, grafted it into the soul. Then you begin to say, yeah, man, so, you know, don't feel like that because the word of God says that there's nothing that he has for you that anyone can take away. Come on, cheer up, God loves you, you are not alone. See, come on, see the soul finally revive. See, so powerful if you speak the word of truth, okay? Now, will you turn towards the soul? Okay, closer. No, 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 souls remain, okay? Now, the battle of the soul is like that. Every day, we are faced with the body telling the soul and the spirit also tells the soul. Okay, come on, unleash your best your spirit of God and your carnality, okay? So let's say it's Sunday this morning, Hari Raya weekend. Okay, come on, go, say louder. How will you speak to the soul? Okay, sleep at home, yeah. <laughs> okay, spirit a bit slow, okay? Go to church. Okay, so if the body, sleep at home, it's Hari Raya, take a break, it's okay, God understands. And the spirit, because already so weak, she said, go, go, go to church. Okay, who do you think the soul will listen to? Who? Come on, tell me. Are you awake? Okay, I know it's Hari Raya. Good, good, yeah. It's the body, right? All right? Okay, thank you so much, people. So this is why every time if we only feed the body, which I tell you, it is natural to feed the body, isn't it? You watch YouTube, you, I mean, everything, everything that's told to you is, I want to be comfortable, I want to be, it's all I, right? I want to, you know, yeah, I don't want to come to this church too early, I cannot, I won't come. Right, right, it's all the body speaking, okay? It's my holiday, I, I, I deserve to sleep in. Um, yeah, I'm busy, I have a lot of things to do. You know, it's all the body, right? Because it's demanding. The body is the one that's speaking all the time. 
But the spirit, if you want to build your spirit, it is supernatural. It is not natural. You have to make intentional efforts to feed your spirit. But you see, if, but if you don't feed your spirit to influence your soul, you know the soul is totally influenced just by the flesh. And you know, the flesh is corrupted by sin. And the purpose of sin is not to glorify God. The purpose of sin is just for self-gratification. And you will never think about living the life that God has for you, which is the real life. Okay, all this is just a lie. It does not happen. I mean, the, the purpose of the soul, I mean, the, the world is just to drain you dry, to kill your soul. And you know what? Actually, the enemy is succeeding. How many people you know that has, is mentally or emotionally challenged? Like they have to uh, face um, treatment, therapy, because the soul is so drained. You know, there's this verse I really like. He says, do not be conformed to this world. You know, imagine it was Jeff telling the soul, influencing the soul. It is so easy to conform to the world. I understand because it is world conscious. But be transformed with the renewal of your mind, you know. So if you want your soul to be refreshed and living out the great life, the abundant life that God has for us, he says the mind needs to be renewed. But how do you renew the mind? How do you help your soul change the mind, right? Because this is where... If every day you're just listening to the world and tells you that, well, you have to do much better, you are not rich enough, you know, you've got to get this and that. How? To renew the mind, I'm sorry, it's not by prayer. I cannot pray and you become, whoo, I know the Bible already. It means you have to listen to the Word of God, right? You need to let God speak to you. You have to have then conviction. Then the mind, man, the, the belief system and the mind, then will be able to be renewed. And when you are renewed, then you are able, it says, to live out what God has for you. I mean, this is the best life, guys. Are we the disciples, the believers of Jesus Christ actually living that out? The way we think about church, the way we think about God, is it from the worldview? Or is it really from the God's view? It's so sad, right? Many times we are so fast to just watch the, the criticism. In fact, yesterday I just had a conversation, you know, uh, with a young, I mean, my godchildren, actually, they come, and, and we would just have this conversation, and she was just telling me, oh, who said this is wrong, that, that, and I just say, who is the person that, you know, because she says she was Googling pastors, and so many people say so many things about this pastor, that pastor, I say, did you Google the person that's commenting so much? Did you Google that first? Why do you believe the comment immediately? That if this person, not in the YouTube, just say, oh, this pastor not so good. Why do you believe this so fast? Have you even do a research on this person that's commented? Who is this person that commented? Is there any reliable, you know, source? I mean, is that person a reliable source? Yeah, we're just talking about it because it's so easy to 
feel that way. So, who feels also, oh my gosh, it's 12 12. All right, I gotta go, I gotta go. So, who feels also, all right, the danger of allowing our flesh to be the one that feeds our soul will cause you or cause you to lose your soul. Correct? Because we don't want to forget and depart. Now, what should we do? Okay, actually, very simple. We are coming to the end. This verse says, if you want to, the, to be more God-like, more God-conscious, yeah, because the spirit is God-conscious, right? If you want to be more God-conscious, you behold the glory of the Lord. Yeah. You behold God. I don't know who said this, but I thought it was so good. It says, we become what we behold. If you are watching YouTube, I, I don't know, whatever that is, yeah, maybe you are watching a good teaching, but if you are just watching things that does not help you in your spirit, then, you know, maybe you just become what you just watch. If you watch pornography all day, you just become promiscuous, right? Because that's what you become. You become what you behold. So I want to recommend this, okay? And I believe that today, if you take stock of your soul and feel like, oh my gosh, I need to keep my soul diligently, I don't want to lose my soul. I want to recommend you to behold God. Three things you can behold God. Remember I told you, to connect to God is not a natural thing in that sense. It is actually a deliberate act to activate the spirit, right? So you have to look for God in the waiting. That means do you have time where you just wait upon God? Or just hear Him, just talk to Him? This morning, I, I don't know why, must be my friend that's staying in my house. His alarm clock rang at 5 or 5.30. So I got up too. Then I thought, okay, God, is it you want me to wait for you? So thank you, bro. <laughs> my friend is here. So yeah, so I was like, okay. Uh, so I just wait. Yeah, that was when, you know, um, I prayed for you. I pray that today you will receive this word authentically and really because putting up a front is very, very tiring, you know. That also drains your soul, okay. So don't do that, okay. If you have, uh, if your soul is not as healthy, so easy, right, you admit it. Just say, yes, I'm not okay. So you go to God. You ask God. Worship, the, the three W's, waiting, worship, and the word of God, which you already knew but maybe didn't practice. So you have to find platforms, find uh, opportunities to do this. Right, like, like today, you came, and I hope that you are open, whether it's to, enduring the worship, to connect in the spirit with God and allow him to refresh you. You know, we do this thing uh, called unscripted in our church, which is just providing a platform, one and a half hours just for people to encounter God. I can tell you, it is on a Thursday night, 8.30. I would have gone to PJ maybe 8 something before 9 o'clock. I would have to travel there already and work all day, you know, set it up, prepare for the service. I can tell you when 8.30 come, I am drained, okay, physically. But I love that God didn't ask us to do a lot of things. Actually, you can just wait on Him. So I can tell you almost the first 30 minutes, everybody was just waiting. I was just soaking. And usually at the end, the last 30 minutes, oh my gosh, we are like a new person. We can't recharge. 
We get renewed because we encounter the Holy Spirit and His presence and His Word. We get fed. We know that we go back good. Right? I mean, that's just one platform. You can create your own at home. You can create in your life group with other people. I don't know, family altar. There's so many ways. Find ways to do that. And really, if you feel the health of your soul is really at a really, really minimal, bare minimum, you can ask for help. I know without doubt, this is a church where they have leaders that sincerely care for you, whether you are okay or not okay. This is a family that can allow you to share, and then we can find help together. Just don't feel like you have to do it on your own and have to put up a front in God's house. There is healing, there is recovery, amen? I just want to play one last song. I thought you can close your eyes. Yeah, just close your eyes. Remember, don't just connect with God from your body, but in your spirit, which is really desiring, open, and honest. Thank you. Temporary. 
Lord, we invite your Holy Spirit into our innermost being. Bring awareness, bring healing, and restoration. In Jesus' name, amen.